0: Well, good morning again, Ocean View. Welcome to our series for the month of June, entitled, Who Do You Think You Are? And last week, we saw that we are God's masterpiece. God created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things that He planned for us long ago. You're created for the Master's purpose. You have everything you need to do everything God wants you to do. And God uses everything in your life to bring about His purposes You are God's masterpiece. Now, today we're going to look at another positive reality of who we are in Christ Jesus. God has recreated us to battle the stronghold lies that the world and our minds tell us. God's Word defines the truth of who we are. You know, sometimes life can be just too much. Everything just seems to be happening to me. Uh, There's an obstacle, there's an opponent. Uh, There's something I can't overcome. There's a schedule that is challenging, just trying to get all the places, all the things, all the things done. Sometimes we can say things like, I can't overcome my weight issue, or I'm battling with depression. Someone hurt me, and I know I should forgive them, but I just can't. Facing something that seems too big for you. When those words, I just can't do it, come out of our mouths, Uh, Sometimes they're lodged in our minds. The truth is that with Christ in our lives, we are overcomers. Romans 8.35 in uh, the NIV, uh, it's uh, the message that uh, Fernando read for us, but we probably are more familiar with, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? An interesting question. What will separate us from Christ? You know, the things that attack us all the time, there's things that are always trying to separate us from Christ. Trouble or hardship. You know, it could be ongoing migraine headaches. could be a challenging marriage. Maybe your kid got his permanent tooth knocked out in dodgeball. Are those things going to separate you from the love of Christ? Can those things rock your world? What about persecution? Maybe uh, you carry your Bible to school and your friends make fun of you or maybe you just say, I'm going to church on Sunday and, and people make fun of you. You decide to save your virginity for marriage and everybody makes fun of you. Maybe you're a business person and you walk away from a very profitable deal because you refuse to compromise your integrity. People don't understand and they can persecute you. Famine or nakedness, well, you know, not... Too many people I see are hungry, although we realize that's in our world today. Not too many naked people around. Maybe you're not facing famine or nakedness, but in your world it could represent some financial hardships. Sometimes there is just more month left than money. Danger or sword. While there are countries around the world, if you go public with your faith in Christ, your life is in serious danger. It doesn't happen often here, but this might represent a physical hardship. A doctor's report comes. Is that going to separate you from Christ's love? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Could life get so bad that Jesus would leave me? Could life get so bad that it indicates Jesus doesn't care for me? Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Who do you think you are? Well, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Who are you in Christ? That's the question. Let's pray. Father, help us to understand and believe that who you have created us to be. Thank you for Jesus who makes a positive life possible. Help us to fight against the negativity of our minds and the world around us. Open our eyes to see who we really are in Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And all the people said, Amen, Amen. Through Christ, who are you? The question is asked in Romans eight thirty five. Who will separate us? What will separate us from the love of Christ? How important are we to God? How strong is that relationship? Now, it is answered with a kaboom in verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. I remember memorizing that when I was a kid. Now, it did make a little bit of nonsense to me. What is more than a conqueror? How do you become more than a conqueror? What is a conqueror? How can you be more than a conqueror? Well, the word conqueror is the original Greek word used in the New Testament writing. It's found 28 times in the New Testament. It is nike for a noun and nikao as the verb. And it actually comes part of the Greek culture. I have to look a bit of the ancient Greek culture to understand this word. Uh, in uh, Vienna, there is a huge statue, huge, I mean huge monster statue out in front of the parliament buildings. And it is a statue of the Greek goddess or Roman goddess. Rome actually imported all the Greek gods as well. And this is Athena. And Athena is the goddess of war. And there's a picture of her. Athena is standing there, the goddess of war. And Rome was a, uh, um, an area of warriors. That, that was the whole mentality of the Roman Empire. Now, it's interesting. In her hand, she holds another goddess. That is the goddess Nike, the winged goddess of victory. Now, Romans called her Victoria. But in Greek, it's Nike. Nike. Nike is the Greek goddess of victory. She's winged. She carries the laurel wreath of the victor, the winner. And in the Greek language, Nike became the word that was used for conqueror, the winner, the victor. To win, to be victorious, to conquer was Nikeo. Now the Nike swoop that we have in our modern days on our shirts and shoes and all that stuff, that Nike, that was the Greek word and we have it as victory. That is the word that's used here. And the King James used conqueror in this passage. In another passage where Nike is used, it's translated overcomer or victorious or the winner. Through Christ, you are Nike, you are an overcomer. However, only once in the New Testament is "nike" modified as it is in Romans eight thirty-seven, more than conquerors. Paul added "hooper" to the beginning of this word. Now "hooper" is uh, a, it is the word "hyper." We have the word "hyper," and you know your kids. When they get hyper, they are hooper, and that means more, exceedingly more than. Right, so. Little Wyatt's running around. He's had too much sugar. He is hooper. He's hyper. Away he goes. That's the word that's sticking in the front of Nikkei. So you are conquerors. You are hyper conquerors. Paul is saying you are way more than a winner. You are hooper nikao. Have you ever wondered how one can be more than a conqueror? Hey, you conquer or you don't. How can you be more than a conqueror? How can you hooper nikao? Well, it means to vanquish beyond recognition, to gain such a decisive victory that it is Nakao, exceedingly more than a conqueror. You know, you can win a race. When I was running and doing those races that I wasn't very good at, you know, the winner would win by, usually, you know, just he'd be this much ahead, or sometimes you have those photo finish where just his nose is across the line and he's the winner. You win by that much. There are other times when someone wins a race. He's a whole lap in front of everybody else. He is just Hooper Nika'o, more than a conqueror. With Christ, you are Hooper Nika'o, Super Nike. Not just a little victory. You're going to demolish the opposition. This is a God kind of victory that vanquishes the opposition beyond recognition. The Egyptians. We're following the Israelites in Exodus. And God parts the Red Sea. And the whole Egyptian army goes in after them and they are totally wiped out. Like completely wiped out. More than conquerors. Gideon in Judges. God says, take on the Midianites, Gideon. And Gideon says, hey man, I'm too afraid. I've only got 32,000 men. And God says, hey, that's too many. And he whittles it down to the 300 God causes the whole enemy army to turn on each other and they get totally wiped out. Hundreds of thousands. Hooper Nikao. Super Nike. Overcomers. That's who you are in Christ. It's more than victorious. It's Hooper Nikao. Super Nike. Now that's not saying you're never going to have a hard time. Uh, John 16.33. Jesus himself says in this world you will have trouble, but take heart's. I have nikao, I have overcome the world. For you to be an overcomer, there needs to be something to overcome. Therefore, there will be trouble. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. So we also overcome through the power of the risen Christ. You might say, well, I'm just an ordinary Christian. I'm not that hooper nikao, super Nike." Well, let me tell you, there's no such thing as an ordinary Christian. 1 John five 4, to 4 and 5 says, For everyone, everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Everyone, not just some believers, not just apostles, not just pastors, not just evangelists or elders or deacons or my Sunday school teacher or the professor at college. Everyone born of God is an overcomer. Nike and Nikeo are used here. Victory, victorious, overcomers. Who has victory over the world? The overcomers. Who are overcomers? Those that believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The victory is our faith. Faith that Jesus has done everything necessary for eternal life. Last week in Ephesians 2... We saw that it is by grace and God's mercy that there's nothing that we can do. We are His masterpieces created to do the things He planned for us to do. One of them is to be overcomers, spirit-filled overcomers, Hooper super Nikes, super overcomers. And we have to realize it's not once I get my life in order. It's not once I stop doing this sin. It is positionally, right now, this is who God says you are. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And you need to believe who God says you are. There's a battle going on. There's a battle in your mind. And there's a battle with our enemy Satan in the world around us. You are Hooper Nakao. You're more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer because of Jesus Christ. Now, as an overcomer, you kind of go, well, how do you do that? What does it look like? Well, let me encourage you, as an overcomer, to be fighting in three different ways. We'll look at three ways that you fight as an overcomer, coming from the New Testament scriptures. Number one, you fight with a conquering attitude, a conquering attitude. Too many people have a faithless, wishy-washy mindset. You have the victim and victor mentalities. Many times we lose the battle in our minds before we ever fight in the world. You don't need to do that. You are super Nike. Faith-filled attitudes lead—sorry, faith-filled attitudes lead to faith-filled actions. Godly belief leads to godly behavior. But the battle does start in our mind. You n- you, you'll never go around saying, I'm just a victim. Everybody else gets the breaks. Nothing ever goes right for me. Now, I know those words come out of our mouths. But that not, is not super Nike. Our marriage is always going to be pathetic. Or he's always going to be a jerk. I'm always going to be overweight. I'm always going to battle with this addiction. I will never be able to forgive that person. You are not a victim. Through Christ, you are a victor. You are hupernikao. You are super Nike. To vanquish the enemy, you are an overcomer. We remember those negative thoughts that they come in. Well, remember 2 Corinthians ten five. We looked at it all last month. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Demolish arguments. Take captive the thoughts. Whenever our mind says, I just can't do it. You remember the Nike swoop. Just do it. Super Nike. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. David in the Old Testament, he had this idea. If you look at Psalm 18, verse 29, David says, in your strength, God, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. Super Nicao, baby. Super Nike. There's no wall that's going to stop me from doing what God wants me to do. Believe it. You're not a victim. With Christ, you are an overcomer. You have the power to overcome all the temptations, all the hurdles this world throws at you. You fight with a conquering attitude. Secondly, as an overcomer, you fight with supernatural weapons. We go back to 2 Corinthians 10 again, and Paul says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine dunamis, divine dynamite, divine power to demolish strongholds. Our weapons have the explosive power of God. And if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ... You need to know who you are and what you have so that you can fight with the supernatural weapons that are at your disposal. Ephesians 6 tells us the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith with which to extinguish the fiery darts of the evil one, a belt of truth, shoes prepared with the gospel, and we fight with the sword of the Spirit which is the living word of God. When your enemy comes, you vanquish the enemy with Scripture truth, just like Jesus did in the desert when the devil came to him. Jesus used Scripture, the living Word of God. You fight with spiritual weapons. You fight with supernatural weapons. You fight like a man of God. You fight like a woman of God. You get down on your knees and you say, you know what? I believe our God can. In Revelation 12, he, the writer or the writer uses the word "overcomer" over and over and over again. In Revelation twelve, Satan has been overcome. It says, beaten, defeated, thrown down by the blood of the Lamb, the sacrificial death of Jesus. Here's what it says: Revelation twelve eleven, and they overcame him, Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. In uh, Hebrews, the writer says, with his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. It was very significant. It was Jesus' blood, that whole Old Testament, all those things about the temple and the holy place and the most holy place were all about how our sins are paid for. And all of those, those illustrations through the Old Testament, all those sacrifices that went on day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year after year, pointed toward Jesus. His blood. Jesus, the Son of God, died for us. And we remember that Satan has been defeated by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. The one who would see you separated from God has been defeated. The one who would distract you and tempt you has been put down. Through Jesus, we are overcomers. Through simple faith, we appropriate what Jesus has done. He's done it, and our faith is in what he has done. Jesus provides power that's stronger than any evil in or out of our world. Remember, he said, faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. But it isn't just the blood of the lamb it's interesting he adds these words they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony our story is another supernatural weapon this is the martyria that's the greek word martyria means testimony or the the evidence given it is the idea of a of a courtroom and the witness is giving evidence, his martyria, his testimony, the record, the report, the witness. Our word martyr comes from martyria because those early Christians refused to change their report. They refused to change their story, their testimony. So they were executed for their faith. And we get our word martyr. Your personal story of Jesus your relationship to the king, your relationship to his story, his victory, his victory is now our victory. Our personal story has defeated Satan, has overcome him. Our personal story starts with how we came to know Jesus. We have a relationship with God. That which separated us from him is gone, and we are adopted into his royal family. Satan's defeated. But he wants to keep us separated from God. But even death has lost its sting because we have that blessed hope. For me, it was August of 1963 at a vacation Bible school in Bethel Baptist Church in Duncan in Mrs. Robinson's class. It's one of my weapons against the darkness, against the fear of death, against the fears of eternity, against wondering, what is my purpose in this world? It is my purpose testimony that little time, many years ago, and I still remember asking Jesus into my life, 1963. So first, Hooper nakao we fight with conquering attitudes. Second, Super Nike, we fight with supernatural weapons. and thirdly, as overcomers, we fight with a God focus, a God focus. in revelation. We read, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Overcomers, again and again to the seven churches of Revelation, he says, to him who overcomes. Now, these were in Asia Minor, Turkey today. The bishop was probably John. Uh, the Apostle John was probably the bishop of all seven churches. And uh, it, it's all in a circle right down to the Lycus Valley. And in the Lycus Valley is the tri-cities, three cities, Hierapolis, Laodicea, and Colossae. In 90 AD, this was the church for that area in Laodicea. It was a natural trades route city. Every, all the trade routes went north, south, east, west. And the city had grown because of wealth, not water. There was no water in Laodicea. It was simply at the crossroads of wealth, of all the caravans going through, and they taxed everybody going through. They made a lot of money. There were a lot of banks in Laodicea. Now, to the southwest was the town of Colossae, about five kilometers away. Now, they had fresh water from the mountain river, like right out of the mountains. It was beautiful water. To the north was Hierapolis, Hier- actually Hierapolis, and Heropolis had hot springs. Oh, they were hot, and they're still, to this day, there's all kinds of hotels in the Heropolis area. Now, water was spli- supplied to Laodicea from the Baspinar Spring with hand-hewn granite pipes and aqueducts. But, you know, it produced lukewarm water that was stagnant, bad-tasting. Cold water came five miles by pipe, and it was lukewarm, tasted horrible. Hot water came by pipeline from Heropolis, from the hot springs 5 miles north but by the time it got there it was again lukewarm mineral tasting in verse in chapter 3 15 of revelation he says i know your deeds laodicea you're neither hot nor cold i wish you were either one or the other so because you're lukewarm neither hot nor cold i'm about to spit you out of my mouth be hot be cold don't make me gag is what spirit is saying because cold water is good it is refreshing it gives life it's enjoyable it helps us be refreshed and it reminds us of the need to be refreshed in 1988 in Barrow Alaska an Inuit hunter discovered three gray whales trapped in the ice pack in the Beaufort Sea it actually happened a lot in the early winter time so he started using a chainsaw to attempt to cut a path to the ice leading to open water Fellow villagers began to help, and there happened to be camera people in the village at the time, and so they got the whole world watching as three gray whales floated battered and bloody, gasping for breath at a hole in the ice. Their only hope, somehow, to transport these whales five miles past the ice pack to open sea. So the rescuers began cutting a string of breathing holes about 20 yards apart in six-inch thick ice. For eight days, they coaxed the whales from one hole to the next, mile after mile. And along the way, one of the trio actually vanished and is presumed dead. But finally, with the help of Russian icebreakers, the whales Putu and Siku swam to freedom. In a way, worship is a string of breathing holes that the Lord provides His people, battered and bruised in a world frozen over with greed, selfishness, and hatred, we rise for air in the church, in the worship, in the gathering of God's people, not necessarily in a building. It is the gathering of God's people is the church. And Paul affirms that the believers are the church. It's a place to breathe again, to be loved and encouraged until the day when the Lord forever shatters the ice cap. We need the encouragement of each other as we battle the forces of Satan on a daily basis. Church, be cold and refreshing. This is your focus. But not only is it to be cold, but you are to be hot and healing. If you went up to Hierapolis, it has hot springs now. Hot water is good. And oh, getting into the hot tub after a hard day is just so nice. It's healing. But it's also medicinal and cleansing. Lukewarm water, nah, just doesn't work. Pastor Nicky Gumbel is famous as a speaker of the Alpha Course DVDs. And as pastor of Holy Trinity Church in Brighton, London, in England, he says, we welcome everyone regardless of their lifestyle. We have a big front door. Everyone's welcome. And he goes on to say this, the church is not a museum displaying perfect people. It is a hospital in the traditional sense of the word, a place of hospitality and restoration. It is a place where the wounded, hurt, broken, and injured find healing. It is a community of sinners. Come as you are. The church is a place where wounded, hurt, broken, and spiritually sick people can come to be healed. A community of sinners for sinners. That's why we say we love people, so that we can show that we love God. As an overcomer, we fight with a God-focus. We are refreshing in a world that has a drought of truth about the reality of a good God. We are healing in a world that is filled with hurting, struggling people wandering away from God. And 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome the evil one, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You, dear children, are from God. You've overcome the evil in this world. Why? It's not in your own strength, but because of the one who is in you. Christ Jesus is greater than the one who is in the world. So no more victim. No more I can't. You are super Nike. You are hooper Nikao, more than conquerors. You are overcomers. There was a song on the radio that was a hit back in 2013. It went platinum. You still can hear it on Christian radio. American contemporary Christian recording artist Mendisa sang Overcomer. She was a contest in the fifth season of American Idol, and she finished in ninth place. But she won a Grammy for her album Overcomer, this title song. Now this is music that is joyful, victorious, triumphant. So next time you hear it, pay attention to the words, especially the chorus that says... You are an overcomer. Stay in the fight until the final round. You're not going under because God's holding you right now. You might be down for a moment, feeling like it's hopeless. That's when He reminds you that you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer. And in the end, it says, So don't quit, don't give in. You're an overcomer. There's an obstacle, there's a wall, there's an addiction, there's a relationship, there's a challenge. There's a hurdle. There's something that's overwhelming you that just seems too much. Today you want to ask for God's help to be an overcomer. doesn't mean you won't have trouble. It means you'll overcome the trouble. Many of you would say, hey, an overcomer I'm not. I'm overcome by the things of this world, by temptations, by fear, by anxiety, by worry. You might be saying, hey, why can't I overcome? And I tell you that you need the power of Christ. You need to acknowledge very plainly that my sin has separated me from a holy God. And then you ask God, make me an overcomer. Through Jesus, the sinless Son of God who shed His blood on a cross, He died and rose again that whoever believes in Him would not perish but would have eternal life. As you call on His name, all of your sins will be forgiven. You'll never earn your way to God. He will forgive you by His grace. You are spiritually dead, but now you can be alive through Jesus Christ and you are an overcomer.